Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning at 1030 as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, in our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now we continue our series on the beginning of the gospel with the gospel according to John. Now here's Pastor Joel with his message, Knowing Jesus Personally. I want to begin this morning by quoting uh, a passage of scripture that I learned actually from the NIV. So this was when I was a, a, a kid. It comes from John 10 and verse 10. And you, you probably know this if you grew up in the church. Uh, the thief has come only to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus says, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The very best life that you can live is knowing Jesus personally. I'm going to stop one more time and I want to pray uh, as we prepare our hearts to hear God's word this morning. Let's, let's pray. Lord, we, we want to live lives that are full and abundant and free and meaningful and with purpose. And Lord, we need help to know how to do that. In this broken, crazy world of decisions that are flooding us every day, Lord, would you help us to know how we can live lives to the full? Lord, would you reveal who you are this morning through the, the words of John at his beginning of the gospel uh, account that, that we would know you and see you uh, even better this morning? So when we leave here and we go out into the world, when we celebrate the 4th of July tomorrow, when we're with our neighbors, like Christine said, and we're rubbing shoulders with people, that there would be something that spills out over us because we are more than full because of knowing you personally. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we all want to live these full lives. We want to be meaningful. We want to be on, on purpose, uh, to have success. We don't want to have regrets from the decisions we've made. And, and every day we have big decisions and little decisions all along the way that get us there. Most of the little decisions we just make and carry along with. But then there's sometimes there's big decisions that you're like, man, this is, this is going to change the direction of my life. And, and I want to have a very purposeful meaning. I want to have a full life. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, before we get to the text at hand, I actually want to uh, tell you about a time that one of those big decisions in my life, uh, it was very difficult to make, actually. Um, we were missionaries in Slovenia for seven years, and that decision to leave family and friends and answer the call to, of Jesus to go overseas was difficult. But what was probably even more difficult was the call to come back to the States. Uh, we prayed about it for a long time. We talked about it. We were seeking, what does the Lord want us uh, to doing that. And I remember the hour very specifically when I told my coworkers and friends who we had lived life with for seven years uh, when I finally said, I think we're moving back to the States. So I want to take you to that place uh, where we were at and made that, de that decision. Uh, the leadership uh, team of Slovenia, there's four of us, we rented a, a, a house um, way up in this place called Velika Planina. And it's in the Alps. Uh, we rented it for three days as we're going to have a visionary, dreaming, prayer, leadership 
team, that we're going to talk and dream and plan for the next couple years of Slovenia and ministry uh, there. Uh, you, can, you can picture it. We were going to be outside, so we weren't going to have slides, but now you can see it. But, but if you wanted to even just picture it, I, I picture it like the Shire, you know, where the hobbits live. Uh, this was way up in the Alps. Uh, you're so high up, but yet there's these green f- fields. And, and all through the summer, there would just be sheep wandering around there, and shepherds would go up uh, to their kocha, their cottage, what they, what they had. And th- that's where they would stay for the summer. There was no electricity, no, no running water. Well, we rented it in the middle of winter, and so we, we climbed up. They have, you have to pack in everything you have. Uh, we got up to the very uh, top, got into our kocha that we had rented, uh, and it started even snowing up there. It was just like beautiful, magical. Um, you could go out of one of these coaches, these cottages, and in the middle of the night, you couldn't see your own hand in front of you. It was so dark. Well, that night we b- built a fire, and it was uh, Josh, Terry, David, and I, and, and we were going to start planning and praying for the, the years ahead of Slovenia. And yet inside of me there was this tension going on. Because as we started talking about these plans, uh, I had this feeling, I might not be a part of this. I mean, I don't know what the Lord's calling us to do. Uh, and, and so I just felt like, okay, I don't want to waste all three days with these guys. I just, said, I just told them right then, I said, hey, guys, I think I need to tell you something. I think the Lord's calling us back to the States, which changed the leadership retreat to, okay, how are we going to change structures and, and functions? Uh, but it was in that decision, I'm like, this is a huge decision. If, if we stayed in Slovenia, our kids most likely would have grown up in Slovene school, would have spoke Slovene, probably would have gotten uh, Slovene boyfriends and girlfriends, probably would have married in Slovenia, and that would have probably been our, our home. Would, and, and that might have been a really full life, but if we, if we stepped out and went back to the States, we didn't know what the future held. We didn't, I didn't know I would be here today. And yet in that decision, I wanted to make the, the, like a full, abundant, without regrets decision. Lord, what do you want me to do? And so there's three questions I think I was wrestling through, and I, I feel like all of us wrestle through when we, when we think about these decisions. Uh, the, first, the first one is just looking back and going, why did all that happen? Why did God take us to Slovenia, and we were there for seven years, and then he moved us on? Why, why did that happen? What purpose is there in that? And anytime you walk through something and you're trying to, what's the purpose? What's the meaning uh, of this? Uh, the second question we were really asking and wrestling through is where should we go? What's the road ahead? But we, we, don't, we don't know where we're even supposed, supposed to go. And then the last one is really what should we do? In the decisions and the next steps and the things that we're facing, what should we do? Why did this happen? What's the meaning? What's the purpose? Where should we go? I think for, for kids, it's like, uh, what career path should I choose? What college should I choose? Should, uh, should I take this job or that job? Should I stay at this church or go to a different church? Should I stay in my house or should I move to a bigger house or a smaller house? Where should I go? And then what should I do? Is like, uh, should I watch this television show or should I go for a walk? I probably should go for a walk. But should I go to the gym or should I just relax? Should I go on vacation or should I do... It, it, just the decisions of every day. Should I buy this cereal or that cereal? All those little decisions. Well, all of us want to live this full, abundant life. So how do we answer these questions? Well, this is, brings us back to our text today, at the beginning of the Gospel of John. And we're going to see that navigating this life to the full... Abundant life, full life, is actually found in knowing Jesus personally. If you want the best rich life, know Jesus. 
John opens his gospel account with a picture of who Jesus is. Actually, several pictures of who Jesus is. Matthew opens his gospel account with a long genealogy. Mark opens it with quotes of the prophets from of old. Luke opens it and goes, look, I'm just going to give you an orderly, factual account. But John does something way different than all of them. Uh, John uh, begins his gospel account with, with what you can call like a pictorial conversation. A pictorial conversation. Uh, in present days, it would be like somebody answering back a question with like three or four emojis in a line. And you're like, oh yeah, I know what they're saying. Some people can read emoji. I have a hard time. My wife can tell me what exactly. Oh, that means, and they read it. It's almost as if John is doing like a theological pictionary. As he, what he's going to do is he's going to draw or paint this picture. And then he's going to kind of hold that there. And then as you're kind of concentrating on that picture, all of a sudden he's going to start drawing another picture over here. And then he's going to put those pictures together, and then he's going to paint another picture down here. And he's just going to try and open your mind and open, uh, open your eyes to see this bigger picture of who Jesus is in these, in these pictures of who the story of Jesus is. So if you want to follow along, we're going to be on page 833 in your pew Bible. And we'll just John 1. We'll just do the first 18 verses. We're going to uh, chunk it down and look at three different pictures of who this Jesus is who John presents and paints to us. And we'll see the, uh, the three pictures that I'm kind of narrowing it down. You'll even see a few more as John paints portraits of Jesus. We're going to look at the Word. We're going to look at the light. And then we're going to look at flesh. The Word, the light, and flesh. Three pictures that John's going to paint. And then they're going to overlap and kind of be singular and tell stories uh, all through it. But let's look at the first one, the Word. This is page 833, John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Let's stop right there. This John opens his account with probably a very familiar line to you. If you grew up in the church at all, or if you've been around Christians at all, in the beginning was the Word. It's very poetic, uh, the word. And if you're hearing this for the first, second, third time, you might be like, oh, yeah, it's very poetic, but what's confusing? He's, a, he's the word? What's, the, what's that even mean? And maybe if you've heard it thousands of times, you're like, yeah, I kind of understand what it means. Maybe I can't explain it, or maybe I feel like I can't explain it, uh, but you kind of put it in a box and put it over there. Yeah, I get John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the word. Yep, check. Uh, but what I want to encourage you this morning is as John paints this pictorial conversation with you, it's to open your mind up and not close it down. Uh, so, so don't think, oh yeah, I got this already. Just put that on pause and, and let's admire the beauty of this picture that he is, he's painting. Well, it's clear that the gospel writer John has been reflecting on the beginning of the Hebrew Bible. Uh, on creation, as he's really painting a, a new creation. He's got the words of the beginning of the Hebrew Bible in his mind, and he knows them. Uh, so let's just take a minute here and go back and reflect on those beginning words. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and void, and darkness was covering the face of the deep. 
and the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. You see, at the very beginning, God created everything. But it, it started off as a world that was, uh, it was formless and void, which whatever that means, it was not a place for life. You know, there was darkness over everything. There was just water there. It was not a place for life. But the Spirit of God was hovering. It was there. It was ready to do something. And, and right when the Spirit's hovering, we hear the voice of God. And God said, let there be light. If you read Genesis 1, you'll see 10 times there are these speech acts of God. And God said, and God said. But did you ever wonder, who is it that God is speaking to? I mean, especially in the first couple of days of uh, creation, with no humans there, and no creation. Uh, day one, who... God says, well, who is he talking to? Why, why doesn't he just create? Uh, he can just think it and it just happened. Why does he speak it? It, it, it makes me think of uh, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, does not make a sound? Well, who, who really cares, right? But what, what, what we do care about is why is, God, why is it so important that God speaks in the beginning? He speaks creation. Well, see, John, as he knows this and is reflecting on this passage of Scripture, he sees, he sees one God, but he sees these like three aspects of God that he's trying to even flesh out, and he sees the fulfillment in Jesus. Uh, this one God, it says, and in the beginning, God, the, the Father, the Creator of all. Uh, verse number two, the Spirit of God. Which seems it's God, but it's also somewhat uh, different than God. And then in verse 3, and God said. It's like these expressive words that come out. The words that are, uh, they are God, but they're also separate and distinct from God. And let's think just for a minute of even how we, how we speak. Uh, every time I speak, uh, I have a breath of air that my words are carried along. My, my life, my air, uh, comes out and, and carried along that breath or that air are, are words that I'm expressing to you that, that kind of run off on their own. Uh, they're, they're separate than me, but they're, 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 they're still me. Well, the Hebrew word for breath is actually the same word, uh, ruach. It's the same word we get for spirit. The Spirit hovering over the face of the deep, the waters, ready for God just to speak and His words to be carried along by His breath and Spirit. Uh, words that we speak uh, are very relational. They're connecting. Uh, they're drawing us in. They're, they're, they, and they also give meaning to something. They, they explain. They reveal uh, let me just demonstrate this. Last week I was in, I'm not a mechanic, and I'm not an engineer whatsoever, and I was in Joby's garage. Joby's an, uh, an engineer. He builds lots of stuff, and he's got all these cool uh, tools that I have no idea what they do. But I was in there with Mike Cox, uh, who's, who's out on his motorcycle today. Uh, Mike Cox, who is also uh, very mechanical, and they're looking at these things, and Joby picks up this piece of metal, that's like cut in half, 
and it looks like just a piece of junk to me. Like, literally. It's been cut and re... Uh, whatever that is that you put metal on to see how good I am at that. You put metal on and you like weld it. You weld, like blow, I'm thinking blowtorch, but I don't think that's it. And so, and he picks it up and I'm like, oh, piece of scrap junk that it's not worth, for me, it's not worth anything. And Mike picks it up and he's like, oh, what's, what's this? Uh, for. And then Joby begins to explain. He, he gives words, he gives meaning to what looked like just broken junk. He said, oh, I'm redesigning this engine, and it has an exhaust system, and the way the old exhaust system was, was wasn't as uh, aerodynamic, so it, it wasn't as flowing as easily. So what I've done is I've created this mold that gives this exact imprint of these four uh, exhaust valves that I need for this engine, and then he showed us the valves that he had created with this press that he had done. He said, I had to work so hard to get it just right as I uh, drilled it and then re-soldered it, and then drilled it and re-soldered it and put it together, and now it looked, he said, this took me hours to do and I made this, it had a purpose and a meaning behind it. What, 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 what I looked at and was like, it's broken, it's junk. Joby says, no, 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 no. Uh, I have a design and a purpose for this. An exact design and, and purpose for this. But he needed to, to share his, with his words, his explanation to us. Without the words, we just look at it and it looks like, oh, there's no meaning to it. It's just a hunk of a metal there. His words help give meaning. Well, in the beginning was the word. Uh, when John talks about word, he uses the Greek word logos. Uh, logos is, is more than just like a word. It's this idea of reason or, or thought or discourse or speech or, or meaning. In the beginning, all things were made with the word, with meaning. All things had a purpose. They were intentional. There was nothing that God made that was on accident. It's all by his design. God doesn't create it and then just step away and go, good luck trying to figure out what, what that is. He steps in and goes, let me tell you. Let me give you my word, the meaning, the explanation. There is purpose. You know there's purpose for you being here today? There's a purpose and a reason God put you in the family he did. There's a reason and a purpose that you're in the job that you're in. Uh, that you're suffering from those health things. There's a purpose. God is not just stepped out going, boy, I hope they get it. He, he's actually speaking and revealing and giving meaning for life, meaning for everything, if you would just listen to His Word. What seems broken, what seems like, oh, this is good for, for nothing, may actually be something that God has used and purposed for His intention and design, His exact design. Well, creation begins with, in the beginning, God. And as John paints this uh, new creation story through Jesus, he, he starts with, in the beginning was the Word, the meaning. Let's focus on Jesus as He reveals the meaning and the purpose of life. Amen? Bring it yeah. Bring it See, the Logos was not just a written down word. Something that was dead. It was alive, and John personified it. This life, 
This word, this meaning is alive and we see it in Jesus. And as he's done painting the picture of the word in relation to Genesis 1, he goes on and he starts painting another picture. Picture number two, the light. Verse 4, let's, let's read. So John 1, 4. In him was life, in this word was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness, to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let's stop right there again. He paints the picture of the word, this meaning. If you're wondering, why did this happen? There's meaning be, behind it. Because God, he's displayed himself as the word. But not only just the word, the light. He's the light. And when you think of light, boy, I bet there's just a flood of images that come across your mind. I mean, at least I hope there is. Uh, the light. We begin very, right at the very beginning of creation when God says, let there be light. It's the beginning of a place for, for life. It's the start of creation. It's the ability to walk down a trail and see ahead of you, to see a rock you might trip over or a snake sticking out. Uh, in the light, there is safety. Uh, there's a future. There's a, there's a hope. There's, there's growth. There's purity. Uh, no, it's, hard to, it's hard to deceive someone in the light. That happens in the dark. You know, in our uh, house, we say nothing good happens after 10, uh, 10 p.m., 10 a.m. That would be, <laughs> we're not that early morning. Nothing good happens after 10 p.m. And the reason that is, is because the darkness blankets the earth. And, and, and men and women like to hide and deceive and steal in the dark. Nothing good happens after 10 p.m. The darkness is on the earth. But John personifies, okay, Jesus is come. He's the light that is coming. But he, he's personifying it as if this light is actually a person. He says he comes, this light comes. He comes to his own and he's rejected by them. The light comes to people and they reject it. How do you reject light? I mean, you close your eyes maybe. You, you, can, you, can, you can hide. You can, uh, you, it's hard to like push light away. Like, how do you reject the light? When the light comes and exposes your falsehood or your weakness, uh, you, you might push it away. You might go somewhere else. You might try and hide in, in the darkness, but the light's there. John also has another story in mind about the light and about the person being the light. It's the hope of the Hebrew Bible as well. This light as a person uh, John sets it up that the light has come, and this light, what he means is the king has finally come. Uh, king David, back in the Hebrew Bible, was the king who unified the nation of Israel. Uh, he was far from perfect, but he said at least his heart was after the Lord, and he did a lot of good things. Uh, he did a lot of bad things, but a lot of good things uh, as well. And at the end of King David's life, he was looking forward to this one who is going to come and rule and reign like he couldn't. 
that, that he could set a direction and bind the people uh, like he knew he couldn't. One that would come and rule and reign in the righteousness and the power of the Lord that would make things right again. And so we see his final words. This is in 2 Samuel 23. It's on page 257 if you want to look. It even has a, a, a superscript or a title over it. This is the final words of King David. 2 Samuel 23 in verse 2. These are the final words of the, the best king in Israel up to the point of Jesus. 2 Samuel 23 and verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord speaks by me. His word is on my tongue. The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said to me, when one rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of God, well, that person, he dawns on them like the morning light, like the sun shining forth on a cloudless day, like the rain that makes the grass to sprout from the earth. The light is the king. So when John says the light has come, the king is here. They can give you direction and a safety and a purpose and a future. He says Jesus is the word. He brings the meaning, the purpose. He's the light. He's the king. He gives direction and growth. So we find fullness in making Jesus our king. We find fullness of life in his rule and reign, in his kingdom. So when we ask the question, so why, why did that happen? What's the purpose? What's the meaning? I, I think John's inviting us to look, listen to the word of God. It, it'll help you give meaning. When we start thinking, well, where should I go? What, what direction in my future? John's saying, look to the light. Make Jesus your king. You don't do it on your own, what you want to do. That's not going to be fullness of life. Making Jesus the king of your life that can direct your path, that's going to give you fullness of life. And finally, we're going to see John paints one more picture. The picture of this word becoming flesh, becoming human. Verse 14. John 1.14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. The glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So John bore witness about him and cried out, this, is, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him Known. We'll stop right there. This word becomes flesh. God Almighty goes, I'm going to clothe myself in humanity and dwell with them, live with them. The word dwell, this idea, is the word to tabernacle, which you've probably heard before if you've been around. This word becomes flesh and tabernacles with the people. The tabernacle that you could see, the dwelling place of God with his people, was now uh, all enclosed in like this human Jesus. He tabernacled with them. God with the people to comfort them, to lead by an example, to say, if you want to live a full life, live like Jesus, who lived completely full. He came... And he was full 
Do you see what it is? Full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Full of both of them. Not one more than the other. Not one less than the other. Uh, His grace was not a slippery slope of truth. His truth was not was not without this warm, grace-filled mercy and love of drawing people. He was full of grace and truth. There was no shadow of changing with him. He was honest. He was above all uh, love that we're going to hear about next week. And it says from this being full of grace and truth, uh, that spills out into our lives. And verse 16 says, For from his fullness... We have all received grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. You see, the full life of Jesus uh, spills out this grace like water spilling out of a bucket. So those who are clinging to Jesus, who are right next to Jesus, who know him personally and are right there, have this grace spilling out in their lives. And that grace spilling out in their lives fills up their life. So so that as you walk along and live this life, that that grace spills out over to other people as well. Those questions we're asking, uh, why'd that happen? And Jesus goes, I got a purpose. I got a design. Every step. Just cling on to me. He said, where should I go? And he's like, follow me. Because in me, there'll be no slipping, there'll be no danger. You just cling on to me, and I will take you where you need to go. He said, well, what should I do? He says, every day, just cling on to me. And be filled up from that grace upon grace that's pouring out from his life into our life. It brings us to the question, what would it look like for us as a community to spill out grace upon grace? But what would it look like to, to live lives that are full? Filled with the fullness of knowing Jesus personally. I, I think broken people walking in that door who are feeling the shame and the guilt and going, I should never be here. When they come in, they go, I don't ever want to leave. Because the people have just like the spilling of grace out for other people. The grace that you deserve, like you don't deserve, you're receiving from other people. And then you're in turn giving that to to other people as well. The fullness of life is not in a job or your bank account or what career you go into necessarily. The fullness of living this life is receiving the grace upon grace upon grace upon grace of the one who came and lived full of grace and truth. Well, since that day, we left Slovenia. Uh, 13 years ago, God's grace has been spilling out over in our lives every day. Uh, We don't always know. We're always asking the questions, Lord, why did that happen? And and Lord's going, just stay close to my word and I'll explain. In due time, you'll know there's a purpose and a plan for that. Lord, which way should we go in this and this? He's like, just hang on to me and I'll direct your path. Just keep walking with him. So John, as he begins his gospel account, he wants us to live full lives and know Jesus personally. Uh, So this 
like really the latter end of the summer into the fall, we're going to be looking through uh, John and seeing the portraits that, G- that John paints of Jesus as we hopefully are just going to form, fall more in love with Jesus uh, as we see these portraits and it opens us up uh, to have our hearts touched and our minds changed uh, to know who this Jesus is personally. Uh, let me pray and we'll invite the worship team to come back up. Thanks, Brian. Lord, uh, we want to live lives that are full. Uh, full of what? That's the decision that we're left with. And Lord, so would we be people that uh, live lives full, full of grace and truth that comes from you? Lord, that when we don't know what to do or where to go or why things are happening, that we would cling to you more than anything else. That we would be people who walk by faith as you as our king. And Lord, if somebody is even here this morning uh, that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray today would be the day that they make you the Lord of their life. That you would help them and heal them and wound uh, the, the wounds that, that they've had and the hurts that they've had, that you would bandage those up. And that you would forgive their sins and their rebellion and their waywardness and uh, bring them into your community. And Lord, now as we respond in worship and community, uh, would grace upon grace spill out from our lives because it spills into our life from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon. Or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word, to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church. Church.